Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to Stellar Christmas. We're calling uh, this entry part of John Stellar Christmas. We're going to be studying the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. And uh, when I think of Christmas, I see Mary and Joseph. They are swaddling the baby. They're in a hillside of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is very similar to Central Texas limestone. And uh, they would make their homes in the caves and grottos of that area. And so I could just see them and their animals around them pan up and you see the beautiful night sky stars everywhere and just a little ways over you see the shepherds that are watching their flocks by night and just a serene scene a beautiful scene and I just I just I love the night part of Christmas because it just represents so much about why Jesus came but there's a majestic part of the night as well When those shepherds were out watching their flocks by night, they were looking up and seeing the stars up there and the moon, and they had the same questions that you have and I have when we look up at the stars. You know, we get sucked into the details of life, and we are thinking about our job, and we're thinking about our health or our marriage or our kids, and we get just all buried in the details of life we need something to pull us out of that like something transcendent and there's nothing like nature to do that so that's why people go on walks or they go to the mountains or the beach or whatever well we all can just go outside and look up and there's something about the vastness of the night sky the stars and all of that that just makes you realize there's more to life than just my little issues that I'm dealing with right here and, and the shepherds that were watching their flocks by night were asking those same questions. How many stars are there? You know, where is heaven? Where are my loved ones? How did this all get here? When I was a kid, I had a, a bed that was up next to the window. I had a pretty good window in my room, and I put the bed up close to the window, and at night I'd pull those blinds up all the way to the top and just look out at the night skies, I would go to bed and just have those, those questions. And just honestly, those are the first times that I would pray and start to feel the call of God on my life to be in ministry was in those moments while I was looking out the night sky. And there's something still special about that. Just look up and, and just be lost in it. And just a few nights ago, Erica and I had a fire out at our house and we had a couple lawn chairs outside and we had the fire, and it was a, just a gorgeous night, Wednesday night. It was peaceful and no wind, and uh, we, were just, we were just admiring this. And just in that moment, still, that's stellar. Stellar means stars everywhere, and stellar means grand. It means fantastic. And uh, that's really how John approaches the Christmas story. John doesn't bring us the Christmas story with, uh, you know, shepherds uh mary and joseph john goes behind the scenes 
And uh, for those of you that are brand new to Christianity or brand new to the Bible, the Bible's separated into two parts. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Testament means covenant, so there's the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. And basically, the New Covenant means Jesus shows up, and Jesus changes everything. And at the very beginning of Luke and John are the first four books of the New Testament, and they each give a different account of Jesus' life. And so we're taking the fourth one, the fourth gospel, the book of John. And uh, the other books share with us, especially Luke and Matthew, share with us the classic parts of the Christmas story. Luke has two whole chapters on it. Uh, Matthew has a lot on those, you know, the wise men, shepherds the star uh bethlehem all of that beautiful stuff but the fourth gospel the gospel of john goes way back in time and talks about this savior of the world before the world was even created and talks about why we're here and how we got here and who jesus is in this huge story so before we get to the miracles and we get to the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus and especially the death, burial, and resurrection, before we get to all of that, John says, I think it's very important that we talk about who Jesus is and was. And he uses that word at the very beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning the word, somebody say word, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He, so now there's a personification of this word. He existed in the beginning with God. Let's read that one more time. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. I want to go very slow today, and I want us to set this foundation because this is a very important part of our Christian faith that we don't want to just gloss over or take for granted. Instead, we want to make sure we get it. It's in there for a reason. I told you a little bit ago, we're going to study the first 18 verses this month, or this, you know, the month of December, today in the month of December. And um, I want to actually skip to verse 18. Okay, so we just read verses 1 and 2. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The Word, He, the One. John's talking about Jesus. He's talking about this man, Jesus, who began as a baby, was born, lived this life. And John is an eyewitness. John was with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. And so he has an eyewitness account. But he's saying... Before we get into all that, 
I want to make sure you know that this was not just a smart guy. This was not just a charismatic guy. This is not just a great teacher. This is not just a man who was good at the sleight of hand and could, you know, have smoke and mirrors and do magic tricks. This is a man that predates creation. This is a entity, and, and the word that he uses is logos. Logos is the Greek word that we interpret here as word. What does that mean? When, when John is using the, the word word or logos, that is a word that was used by the Greeks and by the people in that day and time as the rational principle that governed and developed nature. So John is going way back, and he's saying, Jesus is God, and Jesus predates creation. Jesus was not created because he was before there was a creation. He's just making sure we know that. In fact, Jesus was the power source, the source of power in the original physical creation. Look what verse 3 says. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word, the Logos, Jesus. Everything that was created was created through this Word. When you look at this, these verses, they parallel the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, the very first verse of the Bible says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And then those next verses say, and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. It was the voice of God. It was the word of God coming forth that created everything that is around us. It is something coming from God. It is with God. It is God. That's, that power, that entity of the Logos is what then robes himself in flesh and becomes like one of us. I want you to understand the vast power of Jesus and how infinite he is and how omnipresent he is and how amazing Jesus is. He's not just a man. He's not just a prophet or a teacher. He is the word that has always existed. And just to come to this earth was really a... Oh man, I don't even know the right way to put it. It's hard to put how you reduce down this creative force into being a human being, a part of the planet he created. And he enters into this creation of his after it is broken, very much so, and hurting. And he, and he doesn't enter into this planet that he created uh, and, and force his will on people and make people obey him. Instead, he humbly comes into this planet as a baby, and then as he grows up, he humbles himself to other human beings, sinners, People that know nothing of what he knows. I just want you to understand exactly 
what's happening. John wants to make it clear to all of us who Jesus is and who Jesus was. The Logos, the Word of God. Uh, Logos was the word they used in that day and time to explain this creative power. And some of you may feel like this is sacrilegious, but let me just put it in modern day terminology. That Jesus was in the Big Bang and the Big Bang was in Jesus. The creative power that our world, our, our, even secular people understand that something happened. A bang happened. Energy exploded and made this happen. And what John is trying to say is Jesus is that energy. Jesus is that power. This was not an accident or a, a coincidence. This was the intention of God's word coming, for, coming forth to create what we have here today. This is the power and the strength of God. So Jesus was the source of power in the original physical creation. This is one of the tenets of our faith. But Jesus was also the, the source of power in the spiritual creation by which people are brought to new life. And we're going to see that time and time again as we study the book of John, that Jesus was not just the power of creation, but that Jesus is the power of spiritual renewal, the spiritual creation of taking broken people that are far from God and reconciling them with a perfect God. That was Jesus' task and role as a human, as a man. And as I said earlier, he, he doesn't, it wasn't like he had spiritual Teflon where you know, sins just bounced off of him like they couldn't affect him. He made himself subject to the temptation that you and I faced. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And so Jesus enters this powerful force, this logos, enters into this world that he created as a human being, and uh, he doesn't have to do it. When the world was broken and dark and cold and sin-filled, you know, he could have just slapped it out of the way, thumped the earth out of the way, and started with a new word of God. But as we're going to see in chapter 3 coming up down the path, uh, John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he comes into the world and is a part of the world himself. Jesus was, an attack, was attacked, uh, you know, the, the idea of Jesus, and Jesus' work was attacked. Uh, and so John, an eyewitness of Jesus, writes this book called, what we now call the book of John, and it becomes a part of the Bible because our forefathers read it, prayed about it, saw all the other stuff, understood that it was the word of God, and so it's included in our Bible as the gospel of John. But Jesus was under attack, and there was a lot of people that doubted who Jesus was after the fact. This is about 60 years after Jesus rose from the dead. This is about 75 to 90 A.D. John lived a very long life, and he writes the Gospel of John, and then he writes three letters, and those are included in the Bible as well. You've heard about 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, 
Those are three letters included in the Bible. And then John writes another book called the book of Revelation. And so throughout the New Testament, you got the book of John. You got first, second, and third John. And then you've got the book of Revelation. And as we go on this journey together, we're studying the book of John, the gospel, but we'll reference some of these other things that he said. And I want to do that right now. First John 1 and 1 is the very beginning of that first letter he wrote. And, it, and it's, it's a parallel to the gospel. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. And we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. In other words, John is saying we were eyewitnesses to this Jesus. He is the word of life. So the word there, again, is logos. The same word he used in John 1 is the same word he's using here. That Jesus is the logos brought to life as a human. Logos put on human nature. That's what he's saying here. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. Verse three, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now look at this. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. And I believe that's the message for you today and for me today. That John is writing these things to us so that Jesus is not just a person that we read about, but He's a person that we encounter personally. And that the joy that was fully manifested or incarnate in the man Jesus, that creative power that was in Jesus, is not just something that you're supposed to know about, but it's something you're supposed to experience yourself. And I'm so glad you're here today to hear this good news of who Jesus is. That He is a creative force that made all this happen and he's also the only one that can truly redeem you as a part of his creative work it is only God who created all things that can redeem all things and so this is the intersection that we're at right here you've lived your life in this generation in America, some of you come from other countries, you found yourself in Hayes County, maybe you're watching online from somewhere else, but you're in this moment with us right here. What will you do with the truth that you know now? Will you keep it on the shelf? Or will you invite it into your life? Will you allow the logos to come speak a new word into your life today? The same word that created something from nothing and made a world out of darkness can speak now into your life today. And whatever darkness is in your life today can receive a fresh word from Jesus, the Logos, and bring new life to you today. 
Amen. 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 I want to amen myself. Only the Creator knows the true value of something. The, the reason why Jesus came is because He knows your value. He knows your value. You may not even come for yourself because you don't even value yourself the way God values you. All of us have an evaluation of ourselves based on our performance and what other people's opinions of us are. They have expectations of us. We have expectations of ourselves. And most of the time, none of us live up to the expectations that we have. So we're very disappointed in ourselves because we've messed up and we're falling short. Of course, we're falling short of the perfection of God, but we're falling short of the, the value of humans. I mean, when you look at the, uh, one of the ways to evaluate something is market value. What's the market say it's worth? Your house, your vehicle, uh, your artwork, whatever you have, whatever you possess, maybe jewelry. What the market is just everyone around you. What does the market say what they will pay for whatever item that you have? And that's what the market value is. Whether you think it's more or less, the market determines what the value is. And so uh, it doesn't matter if you think your house is worth a million dollars. If no one wants to pay a million dollars, the market says it's not worth that. Right? Um, when uh, we first got married, I had a Geo Metro. Three-cylinder, not even, not even four-cylinder, three-cylinder. Stick shift, two-door, hatchback, teal. Yeah. And, uh, man, we had it when we lived up in New Mexico, and it was so lightweight, and uh, it, we, we lived up in the mountains, and I would drive up to the place where I worked, and there would be a blizzard going on, and there would be cars stuck off in the and the drifts, and I'd just be like, going up to work. If it got stuck in the snow, I'd just get out and move it, just pick it up out of the snow. It was so light. And uh, I loved that car. Paid cash for it and loved it. And uh, no one else appreciated that car like I appreciated that car. So the time came where I'd outgrown it, needed to get another vehicle, and so I needed to sell this vehicle to get the other vehicle. And then I started realizing I wanted to sell it for a few thousand. No one else wanted to buy it for a few thousand dollars. And I realized no one will ever value this vehicle the way I value it because it's special to me. It has intrinsic value to me. That's different than market value. The creator of something has an, a, an appreciation of his or her creation that is different than everyone else. And even that creation doesn't value itself like the creator values it. And so you have had layers of people talking about you. And, and some of you business owners, one-star reviews on Google, how terrible you are and awful you are and all that stuff. And maybe it was parents that said, you know, you know, you're not worth, beep, you know, whatever. 
ex-spouses or, you know, people in your life that just said terrible things to you to devalue yourself in your mind. I'm here to tell you good news today that your creator loves you and your creator has a very, very high evaluation of you. The word, the creative logos of the world loved you so much that he's ready to speak new life into you today. He's ready to bring you up into the value that he and only he truly is aware of. David understood this in the Old Testament and he says in Psalm 139, 11, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The King James Version says, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And when the Bible says fearfully, it's just of utmost reverence and respect. That's how God made you. God made you with the most beautiful intentions in mind. And this devil, this horrible Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy that purpose away from you and to strip you of the value that truly God has put on you. And so that is what redemption is all about. To, to be in a place where God says, I deemed you well. Satan said you're terrible. But now I am redeeming you well. I'm redeeming you good. I'm redeeming you valuable. You do matter. You haven't messed up too much. There is a future for you. Some of you are struggling with your past and thinking, I can never outlive that. Some of you are looking at a future and thinking, man, the, the mountain of my future is so, so big. There's no way I can climb that. And I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to do that by yourself. But there is a logos of God. There is a word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us because he loves you and values you so much. And he's ready to make a difference in your life today. 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 Would you stand to your feet right now? I want us to go in prayer. And I want us to sing again. I want us to go back into that song we sang earlier. But um, as I was going through this text earlier this year, I wrote my own psalm. And I didn't even really mean for it to be a psalm. But as I, I reread it this week, I thought, man, that sounds sort of like my own. And I want to encourage you as you go through this word of God, as we study this together, I want you to just write the words that come to you. And this is really, you know, so many of the Psalms of David and the Psalms that are written in the scriptures are just out of the heartache and the, the honesty, the transparency of the creation calling out to the Creator. What parts of your light, life, and glory have I not participated in, believed in, not known about, or rejected? 
there's so much more to you, the power of your light that I desire and long for shine on me. There's more to God than, than you, what you've been able to wrap your little head around. And our prayer today is that we let go and let God. Instead of you trying to control and fix and manipulate and maneuver the pieces of your life, why don't you just step back and allow the Logos to speak something over you only he only he knows a fresh word a fresh word would you would you bow your heads with me right now let's just make a confession of our faith and just say Jesus I believe in you Jesus I believe you are the word of God Jesus I believe you are always in existence I put my faith in you, Jesus. I put my hope in you, Jesus. I humble myself before you, word of God. Please forgive me of my mistakes. Please forgive me of my sin. I trust in you, Jesus. I am thankful and I'm grateful that you loved me so much. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for being born. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for paying the price for me. Thank you for redeeming me, Jesus. I surrender my life to you right now. I humble my heart. I humble my mind. I, I make myself available to you. God, that you would be made known in me. That my life would reflect you. May I be a star, God, that reflects the light. The glorious light. May stellar Christmas live out in me, God, as I go throughout this dark planet come on Holy Spirit and breathe your sweet sweet presence from the top of my head to the sole of my feet flow through me I pray Holy Spirit make a way where there seems to be no way bring life and love and hope and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and mercy in the name of Jesus we pray amen thank you for joining us today don't forget we want to connect with you you can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.